Welcome to The World in 10, today's main stories with analysis from The Times of London. Today we hear from our World Affairs editor on whether the US airstrikes in Syria were linked to what's going on in the rest of the Middle East, and we look at the claims and counterclaims about the death toll in Gaza. Now, during the conflict in Israel and Gaza, the big question has been, will it spread? Will other countries get involved? And if so, when? And this question is being asked again after the US launched airstrikes on two targets in Syria. Now, Syria borders Israeli-occupied territory in its south. The Pentagon says in the last 10 days, there have been at least 12 drone attacks on US bases and personnel in Iraq and four attacks in Syria. And it says its airstrikes were in response to them. The airstrikes were targeted at groups linked to Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps. But, of course, these sites are very close to a conflict in Israel and Gaza that feels like it could escalate at any minute. And the Times' world affairs editor Catherine Philp says this could either be seen as a sign for other countries to back off or it could do the very opposite and spark greater retaliation. I think it's a warning shot that we're seeing from the US there not uh, to for, for these Iranian backed militias not to be emboldened by the situation in Israel and the and the belief that attention lies elsewhere and to not get behind a, a wider conflagration in the region, uh, which is obviously a fear. This is a very delicate balance, I think, for the US to strike because they're trying to send these warning shots, say, saying to these militias and sending the message to Tehran, do not widen this conflict. At the same time, of course, it risks, risks in fact, provoking the conflict elsewhere outside of the borders of Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories. So um, very, very fine balance going on there. Regarding Israel and Gaza, the diplomatic row between Israel and the United Nations that we talked about on yesterday's World in 10 has now got a lot worse. The UN says it believes the death toll figures that the Palestinian Health Authority is putting out. But Israel and the US says the health ministry is a front for Hamas and that their figure of 7,000 people is unreliable. So the Palestinian Health Ministry has published a list of names to try to fend off, I suppose, accusations of inaccuracy. Whatever the exact figure is, people are certainly dying and the situation for Gazan civilians continues to be horrific. Rory Moylan is in charge of the British Red Cross in the Middle East and he just described the latest situation regarding aid. Today we were fortunate enough that the, the International Committee of the Red Cross, the ICRC, were able to bring in another 10 trucks, uh, sorry, 10 personnel, uh, medical experts and another six trucks of, of supplies. The people they brought in are, are war surgeons. They're skilled in dealing with the injuries that you, you see at times of conflict. They were able to bring in with the medical assistance uh, that would cover between 1,000 and 5,000 people, depending on the severity of the, of the injuries and 50,000 litres of water purification tablet. Um, but I think as well, this is it just isn't enough. Mark Regev is a spokesperson for Benjamin Netanyahu and former Israeli ambassador to the United Kingdom. He says that the UN and indeed international agencies have no choice really but to accept the figures that are being made available. They're the only numbers they have and the UN organizations because they're working inside a, and what is ultimately an authoritarian theocracy there in Gaza, 
they have no choice but to work with the uh, with the Hamas government because that is the they're the only people in Gaza with guns who can control what goes on on the ground. So I understand all the humanitarian groups have to work with those authorities, uh, but we have to understand that they have no choice. Gaza is not a democracy. There is no independent civil society in Gaza. All the people being interviewed on Western media, they won't speak against Hamas because they know that they will face retribution if they, they speak out against the party line. That's the unfortunate reality of Gaza. The Palestinian Health Authority list has 6,747 names on it alongside their sex and age. It also said 281 bodies had yet to be identified. This next story takes us to the heart of family life, and it's something that perhaps was incomprehensible just a few generations ago. And that is two people who are not in a relationship and have no desire to be either, having a baby together and raising it together. Mm. Uh, One app which aims to help people find this sort of parenting partner says it has already helped 20,000 people to, to parent in this way, and that's a conservative estimate. Now, The Times' Tom Witherow has written a piece about this today. Um, Tom, what are the main reasons people cite for doing this? Successful co-parents I've spoken to said they really, you know, they really think that it's a very thoughtful choice and you are bringing together two people who are not in a romantic relationship, but they're absolutely in a strong co-parenting relationship where huge amounts of thought go into every aspect of the child's life, whether that is thinking about what education um, you you, you both might hope for them. And proponents say that over two-fifths of conventional marriages end in divorce, which means that for millions of children, um, they are brought up in separate households. And they're brought up in separate households where there might be huge amounts of animosity. In the case of a co-parenting arrangement, you are living in separate households, of course, but you have a stable uh, relationship between your parents. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing there are, though, some quite fierce critics of this as well. Exactly, as you point out, you know, amongst child psychologists, they question whether, um, and we don't really know the answer for sure, but whether children really benefit from seeing a loving romantic relationship between their parents. Um, the other points are, of course, practical. You know, the, there's nothing to say that these relationships can't break down in the same way that uh, romantic relationships can. And then finally, the man has no rights during the pregnancy. So if the woman decides to terminate, then he has no say over that. And if if the woman decides to go it alone after the birth, uh, that would require the man to effectively go to court to to try and uh, resume his parental responsibilities. So so there are pitfalls there as well. Okay. Well, I know that there's also a matchmaker that you've spoken to who uh, says that despite those pitfalls, in two decades, co-parenting will be a first choice for many. Um, That is The Times' Tom Witherow. Tom, thank you. Woody Allen has gone from being one of the most popular filmmakers in the world to struggling to find big names to appear in his films. This is due to historical sexual abuse allegations against his adopted daughter, which he has always denied and has never been charged for. Despite this, he has just made his 50th film, Coupe de Chance, or Stroke of Luck. Uh, It is in French and has been released in France, but 
it has not been a major success. The Times Paris correspondent Adam Sage has seen it. The film has flopped. By last weekend, it had been seen by 134,000 people across France. And the numbers aren't going to go up much now because it's pretty much been taken out of all the mainstream cinemas. Our critics say that the dialogues are wooden, that the script is uninspiring. Is that because Woody Allen doesn't really speak French all that well, or at least not well enough to master a French language film? I think it might have something to do with it. Has he just been affected by all the controversy over him? I don't know. But whatever, yes, certainly. Uh, I mean, I went to see it and, and the film is vaguely entertaining in parts, um, but it's, it's really, really not a great film at all. Wimbledon, uh, with its pims, strawberries and cream, gets most people, I would say, in a good mood. But uh, that was not the case at a local council meeting last night. Um, I was going to say it was like something out of the sitcom Parks and Recreation, (laughs) because it was literally about Parks and Recreation. (laughs) Um, But uh, people did feel quite strongly. Protesters are upset at plans by the All England Club, which runs Wimbledon, to build more courts. And these plans would see the grounds nearly treble in size, from 42 acres to 115. But those new courts would be built on an old golf club and it would see trees being cut down. Yes, the All England Club say these are needed developments because otherwise other Grand Slams, for example the US Open at Flushing Meadows, would get too far ahead of Wimbledon in terms of the facilities they have. Uh, The council last night did approve these expansion plans, only just, um, and so they now need approval by the Mayor of London. That's it for today. You can find out more about all these stories by taking out a Times digital subscription. Yes, head to thetimes.co.uk. In the meantime, there will be more from the world in 10 tomorrow. See you then.